Hey, I'm Tommy Chong. Welcome to High on Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody, and welcome to High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from PersisGrowRoom.com. In this week's interview, we speak to Dr. Brian Walker, who is a GP and an MP from Australia. Uh, we recorded this one earlier this morning, and he has a petition on his website that needs signing. So I thought I'd get it out today because that petition closes in a few days. So the instructions are in this episode. If you're from Australia, then please go ahead and sign Dr. Walker's petition. Go and check it out on his website. He leaves the information towards the end of the interview. Uh, you might be able to also hear in this intro here that I have a blocked up nose and have a bit of a cold today. So I don't do too much talking in this one. It's mainly down to bubble hock. And he does a great job of it too. So uh, let's get straight into the interview. I hope you enjoy it. It's a real cool conversation with Dr. Walker. He's a very cool guy and I hope we can get him on the show again in the future. It's a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it and I'll speak to you at the end of this. See you in a bit. So did you want to sort of tell us a little bit about um, who you are and, and what you do? Yes, well, I'm actually a medical professional, a GP, and I have been for well, 40 years. And I got into politics because I was angry at my patients suffering and indeed dying because they didn't have access to good medication, including cannabis, uh, the psychedelics too. Uh, so I'm very much into uh, managing causes, uh, the origins. And uh, cannabis seems to me a perfect way of actually getting some gentle, uh, safe healing into people who are suffering badly with a variety of problems. So I stood for parliament and got in. And here I am uh, beating the drum for, for good common sense uh, in all areas of politics, but especially with wellness in mind. That's that's awesome. I can I can mm. tell you firsthand, mate. It definitely works for me, and I'm a uh, I'm, I'm actually a medicinal user myself. So um, of, among other things, <laughs> we won't go into that one. Uh, that's what obviously what you guys are fighting for at the moment. Um, so big bit of big news. You've been over to Mardi Gras uh, this month as well. Yes, it was awesome. Um, actually, better than in May because it's actually quite quite pleasantly warm, whereas May was a bit wet and damp at times. But yes, it's <laughs> yeah. very very good. Uh, good crowd there, although they do say the numbers were down, but the people were fantastic. And that final uh, protest parade was awesome. Yeah, so that's the first time you've been or? No. No, you've been to Nimba before? Yeah. I have indeed, yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't awesome. say I'm an old friend, but I'm certainly a new friend. Oh, fantastic. So um, so you, you said you're, you're a doctor, so you're still practicing as well, I'm, I'm assuming? Yes, I do. I actually, uh, I'm at the, the sharp end of medicine. I have a... Um, um, uh, a reduced clinic. I'm only a part-time GP now. I'm a full-time politician, so working very hard. So my experiences with cannabis, medical cannabis in particular, uh, is actually relevant and daily. Okay. So do you, um, you know, you don't have to answer this, but do you use yourself? You use it for, for any ailments yourself, or is it something you steer clear of being in office now? Or No, I have used it. Um, I, I damaged my shoulder, actually, uh, in the sports. I was hitting too hard. And uh, so I've got tendonitis, in fact, on both arms now. Uh, And so I found that uh, the ordinary medication just made me sick. My stomach was not tolerating it. And using opiates for that, no way would you want to do that. So cannabis uh, in the form of uh, the the oil was actually very useful. Now I use an occasional vape, and I have very good results with that. It's also quite nice for sleeping as well. But uh, re- recreational, I'm actually not a recreational cannabis user. It doesn't suit me. I don't like it. Okay. Do you, do you find it just gets a little bit um, anxiety driven for you with that? Or is it more just doesn't settle with you? Or No, it just does, doesn't do it for me. Uh, um, it's not one of the, the drug of my choice. Although, look, a bit of THC every now and then is not bad. Um, but um, it's, it's not what I, what I choose to do. And medicinally, it helps me beautifully. But for recreational, I would do different things. Okay, no, fair enough. Just yeah. So um, <clears throat> with the legalization and and things like that, I've seen quite a few videos of you putting it to uh, putting it to the police force over there, and and I love it. I love every minute of it. It's great because it makes them you know give them the hard questions. Um, do you, do you find you getting at least with other members of parliament a little bit of a movement in that, and they're, they're starting to sort of come around to it a bit more than they were, you know, even just twelve months ago. 
Well, interesting that. Uh, on the one hand, politicians, when I first went into parliament, they're all kind of, oh, the weed doc, and they're making these funny stories, you know, they're just talking away. Uh, and they were very disrespectful, actually. Then they discovered I'm actually a medical professional. I know what I'm talking about. Uh, and uh, so um, that very rapidly changed as I was speaking in parliament. They realized, hang about, this guy knows what he's talking about. And he talks sense as well. And he's scientific. And so I, I very quickly yeah, got into the, uh, the state uh, of being respected on, on all sides, which is very, very useful. It's also true that most of my colleagues in Parliament agree with the, uh, uh, the policy of freeing up cannabis. Most of them do, but they don't dare say so because the ones higher up think, oh, if we're seen to be soft on drugs, we'll lose votes. And therefore, they're stamping on, on the, the general population, including their, their backbench members who all agree with my stance, well, most of them, but don't dare say so. So moving it forward is actually quite difficult. My select committee is another interesting case in point. I can't speak about the details, but the members there have been exposed to the, a wide variety of, of cannabis-related uh, subjects and are learning that there's an awful lot more to it than simply getting high on the street. That's uh, just a very, very, very basic level of understanding what's going on. And you move on from that. Uh, when, I, when I look at it as a health professional, and I'm speaking about wellness, which is physical men, uh, wellness, mental wellness, financial wellness, and social wellness, those are the four things that the World Health Organization say, this makes the, the wellness as a, as a complete whole, a holistic approach. And we look at cannabis uh, as part of that. In every single area, we can improve wellness of our state, in fact, of our world. So people are looking at this and thinking, hang about, whoa, this is interesting. For example, as a farmer, if I'm going to grow cannabis, will it improve my topsoil? Yes, it will. Will it improve the water supply to my, my rivers? It will. Okay, And I'm making a profit from a pretty good um, uh, plant, which can be used for a wide variety of things, including medicinal cannabis. So people are opening their eyes to this is a lot more than simply let's free up cannabis so people can smoke it. Hmm. Um one on on that point of sort of opening everybody's eyes. I mean, now more recently with with David Shoebridge coming out and um, and getting that that motion in, uh, do you feel that it's something? You know, do you feel it's probably uh, wishful thinking to have that at, at the end of next year sort of thing, or is it something that you think kind of now's now's the time if it's ever going to happen that they try and push for it now with the numbers they have. Well, I met up with David again uh, in Nimbin this year and last year too. Um, and it was just very nice to, to, to meet him. Uh, and Kate Fairman was there and we had the legalized cannabis from all over Australia, the different states there. It was a meeting of minds. And there we all feel there's a tsunami building. This is going to be, this must happen. There's, there's an energy there. This is moving, it's getting bigger, it's getting stronger. And what David is doing, he's putting out this into parliament, the, the federal level. It's another, it's another, if you like, chipping away at that block. And uh, at a state level in, in Victoria and New South Wales, and of course, Western Australia, South Australia, we're working on this. And so bit by bit, we're getting this um, uh, normalized. Cannabis will be legalized. It will be legalized. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. You might delay it, but you can't stop it. And so what David is doing, very much so, is putting a marker down, this is what we want. And the Greens have got a fairly powerful position in the federal parliament because they have actually not quite the balance of power, but they're a sizable chunk um, mm. and they can actually have some influence there as well. So more power to them. Yeah, no, I, I mean, look, I, um, I'm actually a member of the, the legalised cannabis as well. So when that came out and we've, we've had um, Gail on, we've had Michael on as well, and we've had some good chats with them and Michael's definitely a character. Uh, but he he definitely um, he's definitely sort of moving towards where I think a lot of us want to be, and and I think that it's one of those things where you know we we all want to see and have the ability to to be able to grow it ourselves and and to be able to make that that decision I suppose is to instead of being forced onto heavy opiates and and benzos and mm. things like that uh, for conditions that that have been proven overseas at least. To, uh, to, to be mitigated with cannabis itself. And, and even personally, I know that, you know, I suffer from insomnia. I also suffer from, um, from nerve pain and things from silly accidents on dirt bikes as a kid. Uh, so I, I use it daily and, and I, I was on um, some pretty strong painkillers at one point. And I found that uh, just moving over onto cannabis itself made me much more able to do things that I wanted to do and get along with my life without having to feel sick and feel drowsy the next day sort of thing. Um, 
so I think, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, we're all, we're all happy to, to be part of the fight, but we just kind of don't know what we can do to sort of help it on, if you know what I mean. Well, one of the things we ought to do is actually stand together because one of the problems I found in the cannabis community is that people go in different directions and also there's fear there. If I stand up, the police are going to look at me and I'll have trouble. And I, I like, I trained in the army. So uh, what I say is, let's get out of your foxhole. There's an enemy there. You're not going to win by sitting in your foxhole hoping someone else does the job. Mm. Okay, get up. We need to fight for this. Um, and um, it, it, it's, it's every single one of us is important and every single one of us has got different uh, experiences. What you're saying from the medicinal cannabis, I hear every day in my clinic when I'm, when I'm attending, is that people are telling me how their lives have been revolutionized, transformed. I've got my life back. Some people it doesn't work so well, but most people think, fantastic. I can reduce the opiates or indeed stop them. I can, I, I'm managing autism like this, ADHD, uh, dementia, Parkinson's, as well as pain and insomnia and uh, neuropathic uh, problems. So many good things we can do for this. But I'm actually on a much broader uh, spectrum here. Uh, the reason we've uh, had trouble getting cannabis legalized is because they stopped it politically and then they use propaganda to and tell people a lie. This is bad for you. 85 years we've been lied to and people believe a lie told often enough. So the question mm. is, oh, where else have they done this? Where else yeah. have they led us down the garden path for political reasons? And secondly, there's a major question here. It's not just about cannabis, it's about everything. It's about autonomy. I need to do what I want to do in my life. As long as I hurt no one else, I do it. As long as I hurt no one else, I should be free to do what I want. It's mm. personal autonomy. You don't tell me what to do with my life. It's like climbing a mountain. I might fall off and die. I am going to climb the mountain because I want to. And mm. the same thing is also true of, of um, uh, I don't want to get uh, treated. I want to die. Oh, we can't. You must, you, we must treat you because you might die. Well, look, I choose not to live. I've, I'm old. I've got pain. I don't want the medication. And you find this voluntary assisted dying and the, the uh, people are being um, allowed to choose their own path. That's now coming in. But why not before? Why do we treat our animals better than our humans? Mm -hmm. And this, mm -hmm. this so cannabis is actually a symbol for so much that is wrong in our society. Mm. We've been just been lied to for so long. It's it's, it's easier to accept than a lie. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Well, take what for example, else have they been lying about? Yeah. Mm. I, I was talking today about THC and driving. That if you have THC in your system, you are deemed impaired. Therefore, you're a criminal. That is a fallacy. That's a scientifically completely wrong. But it's enshrined in law. So where else do we have laws which are which are telling us a lie? or something which is completely unnecessary or untrue. We're getting the, the COVID, the uh, emergency management amendment coming up here. They're putting it through based on a lie. It's an emergency, we have to do it now quickly. We can't talk about it, rush it through. That's mm. a lie. We need mm. to have a, a change and give the powers to the police commissioner rather than chief health officer. That is a lie. So we're getting laws put through now which don't reflect truth. And cannabis is just one of them. Mm. Mm. So I think one thing we found here in New South Wales and one thing that, that seems to come up every year is that the, the police force seems to get a lot more money every year to go out there and to hunt down us stoners for seemingly just so they look like they're busy. Do you think that part of, part of the pushback from them is because all of a sudden once it becomes legal, they lose a whole big chunk of their income? That's a very interesting question. And there's two answers for that. Most of the policemen I know appreciate that chasing after cannabis and cannabis users is just a waste of time and effort, but they've got to do it. And half of the police force use cannabis anyhow. Mm. But remember the origins of this in America when prohibition ended and all these FBI agents were faced with losing their jobs, they discovered cannabis to oppress the Hispanics. And so it's a way of actually giving a job for the, for the, the, the boys, if you like, so they could carry on doing what they do, which is oppress people. Now, the same thing could be said about the police force now. Uh, we, we need to maintain this because it's low-hanging fruit. It's easy for us. We can make money. We get a kickback from everyone that we, we, we deal with. Um, so you can see that certain parts of the police force might well be um, of the mind uh, to continue uh, pr prosecuting cannabis users because it's an easy thing to do. But they miss the important stuff. If we were able to have, and this is where we need to bring this across, if we can uh, take the efforts out of um, 
processing against cannabis. If we can forget that THC uh, is psychoactive and doesn't hurt anyone, doesn't kill anyone, leave it be, our prisons will go down, the costs will go down, the cost of uh, courts will go down, the costs of uh, uh, being um, uh, prohibitionists will go down, wellness will improve, Portugal has she, uh, uh, shown this. And so the actual benefits for the community need to be brought out into society so we can all say this makes manifest sense. Mm. At the moment, people are being scared. If you're taking drugs, you're bad. You're going to be killing us on the roads. You'll be robbing us. You'll be raping us. Okay, which is not true for cannabis at all. But because of fear, we can manipulate the people who aren't educated. So we need to educate and need to bring this out. And it's a bit by bit process. So the population says enough is enough. And we're getting there. The, the mm. popularity, the, the, um, the agreement in the population is now such that it's almost inevitable that this must happen soon. Yeah, and that's what's, that's that's part of it, I suppose, is that we're all at this point now where, you know, every everything that they come up and they say, we've now got an argument for, and every time they come up with something different, it just gives us ammo to go and get the information to throw back at them, and it's as you said, I think it needs everybody to sort of get up and say something, but that fear of prosecution on that side, and um, I'm a big believer of all the money that's being spent on chasing us down. For, for things that, you know, for something that we can, I mean, you're allowed to go and have a beer at the pub. You know, we're doing it all at home, out of the public view. We're not, not worrying anybody. But all that money that's spent there could go to health services. It could go to schooling and for education. It could go to, um, to roads. It could go to a whole bunch of other things. You know, multiple millions of dollars being spent on policing something that we're going to do whether they police it or not. Um, and saving costs. We, we've got here in Northbridge in Perth, we've got a, an entertainment precinct. Every weekend there is violence. Every weekend there's injuries and not seldom deaths as well, all due to alcohol. Cannabis doesn't do that at all. So we could yeah. save such a lot of death and destruction if we simply took alcohol down and cannabis up. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So one, one thing we did see in, um, and it has been debated a little bit, with the the thing that david put in um was that they're they're talking about prohibiting um alcohol and tobacco companies from getting in at that level and sort of annihilating the market for anything anyone else that do you think that's probably a key part because from from a point of view like myself i think that that money needs to stay in the community um, the people that have been using and have been growing for, for years on, on end should be the ones getting in the market and helping their local communities because they're the ones that care about their community. Um, do you think that that's the right way to go about it? Or Well, the government will have to find some way of getting revenue out of this because otherwise there's nothing in it for the government. Uh, so they're going to want the tax. That's what governments do. And allowing them that, uh, just like alcohol and tobacco, would uh, give them some measure of saying, okay, this, this is justified. We can, with the tax, we can pay for hospitals or care of the elderly, this, this kind of thing. But what I want to see is that everyone is able to grow cannabis. No one will be per prosecuted for growing cannabis. Now, of all the people that you know who are not cannabis users, how many are happy to grow cannabis? Not that many. How many can grow cannabis and grow well? Not that many. And so really we're going to need uh, people who are able to do this, to, to, to cultivate cannabis properly and sell it. Much like, look, the, 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 we can grow tomatoes, but I buy my tomatoes from, from a, a grocery. Same thing for cannabis as well. If you have uh, professional growers who are experienced and passionate about this, when they sell it on the market, it's going to be higher quality and you're not going to make a mess in your own home by shoving chemicals into your, into your growth. Hmm, of course. I mean, that's that's one thing that we're, we try and, and um, teach people is that, you know, you don't need all these chemicals, you don't need all these pesticides, you know, there is one, you can, you can do it at home, by yourself, naturally, safely, just like you would tomatoes, lettuce, onions, whatever you'd like to do out in the backyard. Yeah. I mean, obviously, want it done as safe as possible, and we're not telling anybody to break the law, you know, you, that's something you do on your own. Um, if that's what you want to do, you know, you, you take that on. But I think the more people we encourage to, to have a look at it, the more people we encourage to try this themselves, um, the, the more we're going to have other people stand up. And, and the more they show their family members how it helps them and how it works, the more those family members stand up and they start looking at it and go, well, maybe it isn't such a bad thing. Um, well, so let's I, all sit together. Let's overgrow the government. <laughs> yep, let's overgrow the government. And I'm happy with that. <laughs> So at what point in your life did you start uh, going down the cannabis path? 
Well, most of my clinical life, I've been told that cannabis is, is bad, but mm -hmm. most of my clinical life, I've looked at, um, okay, show me the evidence. I remember many years ago uh, in working in psychiatry, someone came in with a cannabis-induced psychosis. Now, the thing about this is he'd been using cannabis from a young age, fairly high THC, and you do get that problem. So I was aware of the, some of the risks you can get from, from, from cannabis, but as a drug itself, no one, no one cared. Everyone could use that. I mean, half the population uses cannabis anyhow. I was much more concerned with the, the, the nasty drugs, uh, the methamphetamines of this world, uh, which can be really destructive. And alcohol mm. is probably the biggest component of that. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking here at lifestyle choices. Now, uh, my personal approach is that uh, all drugs need to be at least decriminalized, if not yeah. legalized, mm -hmm. uh, because the benefits for the community are such, because most people using these are treating their own problems that doctors have failed to treat. So let's allow people to treat themselves if the doctors can't do it. But with the psychedelic medicines coming on and hopefully getting proper treatment, uh, we can then begin to realize that um, managing mental health issues, which is what many drugs are used for, mm -hmm. can be done much better. Uh, and look, you can grow your own psilocybin. I mean, that's a project to be done, quite nice. Which kind of psilocybin, how often do I use it, you know, with psychotherapy? Um, you need to work out how to use this. DMT, fantastic. Um, the ecstasy of MDMA is, is, is a, the premier substance for PTSD, I would imagine, with proper psychotherapy. Uh, and so what we're looking at is allowing people to choose their pathway into wellness, um, whether that's, uh, and it, it's, it's, that's a broad topic, allowing people the autonomy to choose the path I choose to get myself in the state that I want to be without any judgment. This is, this is, as long as you hurt no one else, this is what I should be doing with my wellness. Each to his own. That, that's Sorry, be the, topic there, but it's no, 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 it's, it's fine. Uh, the psychedelics thing is interesting as well. Is, uh, oh, yeah. is that sort of, can you try it yourself? Yes. And I'll tell you what, the, uh, for PTSD, we have a lot of PTSD. It's not just the police, it's not just the armed forces. Uh, they're the sexy end of it, okay, uh, with the horrible things they've seen. But what about mm -hmm. someone who's been beaten by a partner, trying to put food on the table for four kids and being smacked every evening by someone who comes back drunk because of the abuse they're getting at work? Mm -hmm. Right. They have got PTSD. And uh, so it's a huge area. The loss to our community, the loss to our uh, GDP is, is immense. And people are just disengaged, disenchanted, and want nothing to do with politics. They just take no part because they're looking after themselves as, and are hiding themselves and then falling into a heap. Now, the, the psychedelic approach, um, 10 years will take for, say, a soldier with PTSD, and she's maybe um, uh, over 10 years, if she survived, because uh, every two weeks, one of our uh, veterans is killing themselves in Australia. Mm -hmm. If they've survived, then of the, 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 the cohort alive, only 5% are kind of okay, the rest are not. Now, with psychedelic assistive therapies, you're getting in the, well, one treatment, one treatment, a 50% immediate cure, an 85% in six months. This is the experience we're getting internationally. So astronomical improvement compared to mm -hmm. what currently passes for good treatment, astronomical improvement. And the same is also true of cannabis, by the way, much better at managing a whole host of diseases. People coming to me uh, unable to get any respite on cannabis, and things start to improve. Once people get their the mind around the endocannabinoid system for a start, we'd be realized we'll be missing something so vital for our wellness. And that's true of psychedelics as well. And other, the, the whole biological approach to, to managing wellness. You see, one of the problems I'm facing is that the health costs are doing this, the benefits are going down, the business mm -hmm. model must fail. UK, the NHS is struggling, in Australia, the, uh, the health service is struggling because we're trying to treat problems after they've happened rather than actually managing them before they happen. Uh -huh. So nutrition and exercise, and mental health, these things are important, fix them now. And we generally find that using nature works so much better. Who would have thought, eh? <laughs> I know, <laughs> outrageous. So it's refreshing to hear all of this from a GP as well. You know, you're a doctor. You, uh, it should, what makes you different from everybody else? Why do you have these oh. opinions and the majority of doctors seem to be the opposite? I'll tell you. Many years ago, when I was in my uh, clinic in Germany, I came out of my clinic for 32 diagnoses. Uh, I'm good at diagnoses. Uh, I couldn't find a single, one single cause. Diabetes, okay, is the, it's the um, relative or absolute lack of insulin. Why? Or pancreatic failure, whatever reason. Why? Yeah, why? Why type one? Why? 
And um, so I went through rheumatoid arthritis, autoimmune disease. Why? What's the immune system fighting against? So I went through all my diagnoses and I, I was in tears. I said to myself, I have saved more lives as a surf lifesaver in Australia than I have as a doctor. At that point, I said, this has to change. So I began looking at Germany as a home of uh, naturopathic medicine. It's where Hahnemann practiced homeopathy. You know, that's a lot of right. science, science. And so I went into that and I realized that the, what I learned in medical school, boom, you're just useless. Uh, there's a lot of good things in medicine just now. Yes, certainly. But when it comes to wellness, it's not. Surgical management, say, or, or trauma, yes, by all means. But for chronic disease, very, very poor. And so I began a, a, such a lifelong search for alternative medicine. And I, I was very good, uh, but uh, what changed me ultimately was actually Anita Morjani. I don't know if you come across her, but if you, if you Google her, uh, she actually died of cancer in 2006, she was my patient. And when she woke up again from multi-organ system failure and terminal cancer, she says, oh, it's okay, the cancer's all gone. It's all, yeah, yeah. They rushed her to, to do more infusions and keep her alive because she was seriously ill. The cancer had vanished like that. That made my theoretical knowledge completely useless. I knew that some wellness is so much more than the presence or absence of disease. Hmm. It's a, I go in the energetic level. And so I was thoroughly transformed then because what I realized is that modern Western allopathic orthodox medicine is just one small part of a very large equation. Mm-hmm. On that point, the, as, as a Western society, we kind of shun a lot of that that other side of medicine that and and don't really take much. I mean, because I know with with a lot of Chinese medicine for for argument's sake, they um, you know they've been using these for thousands of years um, for for a whole different thing. And and I'm sure some of it's snake oil. You know, that's that's across the board that can that can happen. But as you're saying, you found a lot of benefit in in going through and, and researching a lot of that. Do you think that? that's something that we as a, as a community sort of need to be a bit more um, accepting of is that we, we maybe don't know as much as we think we do. And, you know, we do need to sort of be looking at these other things to help and, and work coincide with, with our knowledge of Western medicine. You know, Have you got a couple of hours to spare? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> okay. Let's start with a question. How do you know you really exist? I think, therefore, and, I am. I know the answer to this one. Well, <laughs> everything, everything that we think about who we are is actually wrong. Did you know, for example, that if you took all the empty space out of all the atoms of all the bodies of 8 billion people in the world, we'd fit into something a bit larger than a sugar cube? Wow. So most of us is empty space. And if you look at one single part of one carbon atom in that sugar cube, it came from a star, okay, when you break it down into the protons, neutrons, the subatomic particles, the muons, gluons, quarks, bosons, this kind of stuff, uh, uh, you then break that down to the baryons. Beyond that, you actually don't get a particle at all. You get an electromagnetic wave. So the building block of every single part of our existence, everything you see is actually an electromagnetic wave, which travels at the speed of light. So now you ask yourself, ah, if that science is correct, and I challenge you to prove it's not, who are we? What are we? Mm-hmm. Now go down that path of with three-dimensional people, I mean, three-dimensional medicine, you've entirely missed the point. Right. Yeah, yeah see, now the, yeah, you just just thrown a curveball at a bunch of stoners here. You've definitely, <laughs> you've definitely taken mushrooms before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's an um, interesting topic, man, when you go that deep into things with the quantum mechanics and quantum th- physics and things like that. You know, are we just the universe experience in itself? It's one of those. It's a huge question, but the, mm-hmm. uh, you, you literally would spend hours on this. But the question is, if I'm not really who I think I am, why am I here? What am I doing? What am I meant to do with my life? And that's an existential question. Mm-hmm. Because now, if I'm working, say, as a, uh, as a bricklayer, uh, earning my, my crust, putting food on my table. What actually is it all about? Why am I here? <laughs> and that leads on to other questions of what can I do to enhance not just my existence, but the existence of everything which is in the same state as me. So now we're looking here, rather than actually I look at, I'll, I'll, I'll shaft you and I'll, I'll, I'll shun you uh, and I'll do bad things to the other person as long as I'm fine here. That, that very premise of look after yourself and everyone else can go to hell, that's wrong. 
we, we need to work and think differently. And medicine is the same. We must think differently. Yes, 3D medicine is necessary. But there's another aspect to that wellness, which is far beyond take a pill. Mm. You say 3D medicine. What do you mean by 3D medicine? And what, what um, is there 2D medicine, 4D medicine? Well, 4D medicine, yes. 3D medicine, I've got a liver problem here. I can take a medication like um, either milk thistle or something or stop taking st stuff and add milk thistle will help my liver. That's three-dimensional medicine. Uh, blood pressure, take a blood pressure tablet, blood pressure comes down. 3D medicine. Fourth-dimensional medicine looks more at the, the kind of, it's think of the placebo effect. Mm -hmm. Now, the placebo effect uh, works in 30% of the cases. You can do You can do pretty much anything with the placebo effect. You can even do an operation without anesthesia. Okay, wow. uh, the wow. placebo effect, if you could bottle that, you'd be a billionaire. Mm -hmm. But how does it work? Well, it's actually energetic. It, it's, it's about a, a state of mind. It's about, it's about, it's a whole different aspect of, of it's using, using the energy beyond who we think we are. Mm. And uh, so that, that type of medicine, that fourth dimensional medicine is really where we need to be. How do I, how do I position myself in life that, uh, yes, I'm in pain, but how do I overcome that? Uh, what's the cause? How do I relate to, to for, for example, if I've got uh, uh, joint pains, generalized joint pains, because I've got gut ill health, which is one of the common causes of, of generalized pain. How do I fix my gut with well, the microbiome has got to be there. So I'm living with uh, uh, as many bacteria in or cells in my gut as I have in my whole body. And they're actually a second brain. How do I work with them to support them in their job of keeping me healthy? Hmm. Mm. Spice so, so melange. <laughs> you're looking here at, at something way beyond uh, what we currently look at as normal medicine. Mm. It, it's it's a fascinating topic. It is indeed. Mm. I mean, we've Definitely. only had this modern kind of medicine for about 120 years now, or something, right? It, mm. And we we seem to have shunned off a lot of different kinds of medicine that were around before that. Indeed, and we laugh at the shamans uh, who mm. uh, use their portions like ayahuasca, uh, like mescaline, uh, mind-altering substances there, uh, the way people behave, and people can get cured with that. And we just laugh it off, ah, it's, just, it's all placebo. Well, let's, let's use placebo. Yeah. It's much safer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> indigenous culture here in Australia, for example, uh, there's a concept here of being sung to. Now, you might think it's a nice mm. thing, I'll sing a song for you. No, being sung to is actually a punishment. And actually, one of the effects of being sung to can be death. People die. Perfectly normal, healthy people, if you sing to them, if the shaman sings to that person, they die. It's powerful stuff. Yeah. That's not, that's not a placebo. That's a nocebo, which is the opposite yeah. of placebo. I've seen things like that before in the UK as well, where they use uh, frequency and sound yes. to get different reactions yes. from things. It's, it's an interesting yes, topic as well. Yeah. Well, the, the whole thing, it, it's, um, we are vibrational creatures. Are very, mm -hmm. You know this. You walk into a room, you don't know the people there, but there's someone there you think, hang about, there's something about this person. I might, let's have a chat with them. They're, they're, they're special. And you have a chat. There's other people in that room you can think, hang on, mm, I just feel there's a bad vibe coming to that person. I'm Usually they're police here. officers. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We are vibrational creatures. We respond to vibrations and we send vibrations out. We, this is our life. We are mm -hmm. vibrational. Is there an aspect yeah. that we don't look at enough? Do you think there should be more research done? Well, there obviously should be more research done on this kind of thing, but why is there not enough being done? Well, we've been taught in a system which denies that this is the truth. Um, I was reading today about the quantum entanglement. The Nobel Prize was given for mm -hmm. that. It was mm -hmm. the action that a distance, as Einstein said. Uh, and this is all, it's, it's uh, well, we'll forget about that. Uh, the colleagues that I've got just now, are the lovely people, the intelligent, good memories, uh, and they, they give the standard treatments, uh, but we're managing disease to death. Looking at what I'm saying is actually a paradigm shift. Now you don't get paradigm shift just overnight. You, you don't get, you don't move vast populations because the, 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 the concept of that rightness comes in. You've got to overcome everything that happened before. And then it's a shift and you look back and say, oh, of course, that's the, that, we don't do that anymore. We, this is what we do now. So my colleagues, uh, the Orthodox medicine colleagues, are all lovely people, but most of them, um, but they're, they're stuck in a paradigm which denies what I've just said. They'd be laughing at me. Um, mm -hmm. And they're saying, oh, it's alternative it's medicine is a new way. What's it called? They've got all these different words for it. Yeah. Just yeah. dismissive without even looking into it properly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And you, you can see the same thing with cannabis. All oh, the cannabis is bad for you. Show me the proof. Show what's the mm-hmm. evidence you've got. Mm-hmm. They haven't got any evidence, but they firmly believe. And even when you show them the evidence that it's safe and natural, they refuse to believe. And this is what we're dealing with. Well, I said this to the missus the other day. We was in Boots. You're from the UK, so you know what Boots is, right? It's that pharmacy. I've been there, but I'm not from the UK. I'm from oh, right. Malaysia. Okay, I thought you were from the UK. But yeah. I live there, but uh, yes. Cool, cool. So you know Boots, the pharmacy. I but do, yes. We was in there, and on the way out, just before the checkouts, there's boxes of paracetamol, and she reaches one, yeah. and grabs one, and buys it. And it, I said to her, like, ain't it weird how you can just buy that box of paracetamol, and if you go home and take all of them, then you're not going to you, wake uh, up tomorrow. But you can't you will, have cannabis because... Sorry? You will. It'll in, if you don't tell anyone, in two days, you'll have irreversible liver damage. Right. Uh, and then <laughs> you get transplanted, you will die. God damn it. You see, but you, you can buy that right there at Boots. Just like yeah. 50 pence, it was cheap. And But you I've can't have cannabis time. because it's dangerous. I've done that in Parliament, actually. I couldn't bring them in, but I, I, I met, had a, a metaphorical box of Panadol on one hand from, from IGA here. And uh, a bottle of cannabis in this hand here. And I said, now, this one will kill you if you take all in one go. This one, if you take it all in one go, will not. I ask you, colleagues, which of these two is a dangerous medicine? Mm-hmm. You see, they, 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 just, they wanted to say this, but they, they, actually this. And there was just a kind of, oh, we can't compute this. It's quite funny. Like you said, it's like we've been lied to for so long. People, yeah. don't, people don't see what's actually going on here, man. Cannabis is completely in, safe. In America... Number three or number four, depends on the stats, cause of death is properly prescribed medication, which has been properly administered. Mm-hmm. But 120,000 annual deaths. All these big stars, man, like Whitney Houston, Michael Jackson, Prince. The, yeah. There's a, yeah. a long list of, of famous yeah. people who have died from prescription medication. And, and it's like nothing gets said. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Although they, they, they find someone to blame, of course. But, uh, but the, the, the problem is the system, not the people. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's not their fault. They had trust in their doctors and their doctors, uh, I don't know, just didn't do things right. Cannabis should always be the first port of call for these kind of things, in my opinion, because it's definitely the safest out of all of them. Well, I got angry yesterday because I was reading Karen Price, who's the outgoing president of the RACGP in Australia. And she was touted as one of the experts in the field. She's not prescribed cannabis in her life, I would imagine. And another colleague from the AMA and uh, saying, oh, it's not enough evidence here, uh, lack of evidence, doesn't work, uh, shouldn't be giving this. And it should be the last, uh, the last choice uh, after having exhausted everything else. Well, I don't think I saw this. Silly cow. It's the first, <laughs> it's the safest, it's the best thing to give. Uh, but this is, this is what being taught to our doctors right now. Because, uh-huh. I mean, we're, as Australians in, in our community, we're currently in the throes of... of an opiate epidemic essentially i mean it's it's getting to the point now where you can go uh, for argument's sake on my own and and my i all praise to my gp he's the one that sent me down the path to be able to get uh prescribed medicinally even though he couldn't do it himself but when i walked in that office with and i had i was going through a um a sciatic episode and i could barely move my left leg i could barely walk properly i was in so much pain i couldn't even sit in the chair and I was talking to him about it. And he goes, look, have you ever had endone? And I said, mate, I don't want endone. Don't, I don't want opiates. I don't want heavy painkillers. I said, mate, if I could sit down and just go home and have a few bong, bongs or a joint or whatever, I'd be fine. And he just kind of looked at me and went, you know what? Go on then here. And he wrote up a, a um, what do they call it? A, Oh, I can't remember what they call it now. <laughs> no, no, because he didn't prescribe me. So it was a, a he sent me to a recommendation, a essentially. A referral. Yeah, That's the go. word yeah, I was asking. The doctor knows, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he He can prescribe. There's nothing stopping him from prescribing, just he doesn't know how to get onto that list. Yeah. And that's, that was his, after a few good discussions with him over the coming months from that point, that's what he said. He said, look, at, the, at this point, it's just, the amount of the mountain of paperwork I have to do to get you what you what you want, what you need, it is by far easier for me to send you to this clinic that already has that under control. Hmm. And he said, oh, I would much rather be able to control it and do my own research so I could have that back up myself, but I can't because it's I'm I'm just a general practice. I don't, you know, he's only there a couple of days a week. So for him, it wasn't, 
you know, he was inundated with other patients that had mm. much more serious issues than me, which may or may not have been able to, you know, use cannabis themselves. But for him, I was the one willing patient that walked in and said, mate, I'm happy to give this a go over everything else because every other painkiller I've tried ruins me. I just mm. can't do it. Like I can't, I, that, you know, I block up for days and then I've got to have another pill to fix that and then another pill to fix the after effects of that. I was, I just was not playing that game when I knew full well I could go home and have some of this and be fine. You know what I mean? Have you ever tried Lyrica pre-gambling? Lyrica? I no. Think, I think my wife has been on that before. I'm yeah. pre-gambling. It sends you loopy. Yeah. It's quite a major drug. Uh, very commonly prescribed, very bad. Yeah. So, and Lyrica, so as far as, um, is that, that's obviously pain medication you're saying, or is it a... Well, it's actually uh, it's like, a, like an anti-epileptic, but very commonly used for neuropathic pain. And a, you add oh, that in. Okay. Like a nerve blocker or something? Is that what it is? Well, it's, it's, I suppose so, yes. But the thing about this is that Lyrica, very commonly prescribed, has got nasty side effects, mm -hmm. uh, major psychiatric side effects as well. And it's not something I would want to take. Yes. The opiates that That's are true. commonly prescribed are, are just toxic. Uh, really, mm -hmm. You can use them. You should maybe use them as last resort, perhaps. But um, uh, we're taught in medical school, opiates are only to be used for acute pain. But the most prescriptions are for chronic pain. So we're actually mm. flouting the medical recommendations uh, uh, from the get-go. It's crazy. And then, <clears throat> pardon me, there's no real... I mean, as a, as a chronic pain sufferer myself, I've never found... Like, it, it just seems to be you start on a single on a dose and then the next minute that's not working. So you have to go on a higher dose and a higher dose. And where does it stop? You know, where it, it ends in death, essentially. Well, it ends in toxicity because you, with the opiates, the trouble is it depresses your, your pain reception. So for the same level of pain like that, if the, the receptors have gone down, that same level of pain, you feel more painful. Therefore, you need more opiates, yeah. which then reduce your receptors even more. So you need more because you're feeling more pain. So for the same amount of pain, which may be um, uh, just a minor pain, you're now perceiving that as a major, as a fear pain because the opiates have reduced your ability to actually um, deal with that. Mm -hmm. Which is why you need to go up and up and up and up. This is why and I try course, very hard not to take any kind of prescription medication, man. The only medication I need is some psilocybin and some cannabis and I'm fine. Yep. <laughs> and your anti-inflammatories, so your, your neurofins, your brufins, your um, the, mm. the celecoxibs. Okay, these operate by stopping one part of your inflammatory system. But it does happen, what does happen though, is that the other intact parts uh, increase. And that results in an increase in heart attacks and strokes. Wow. Yeah, so it's, it's wild how, and again, that's what I mean. I mean, all of a sudden you've, you've created a whole list or a laundry list essentially of other issues to solve one issue and, and you, it's a Band-Aid fix. Um, just going back on that point you were talking, you, you were doing some um, cannabinoid research. So a little bit of the research I've done um, on, on how the cannabinoid system works is that it, it essentially recreates the connections between um, between nerve endings or something from, from what I was told is that, I mean, I'm, I know I'm, that's an extremely basic <laughs> explanation of it. Um, but it was like kind of creates homeostasis again, or, or triggers your body back into a sense of homeostasis. Is that sort of the right direction? Well, there's one thing called a, a complex regional pain syndrome, which is a nasty thing. A very small pain gives a huge response, huge response. You do debilitating. Now, when you give uh, cannabis, uh, you then get the CB1 and 2 receptors are thoroughly um, uh, saturated, and you let that be for three months, then this whole irritation tends to reduce, and therefore you can get the pain more manageable. So that's one thing. Cannabis, as a medical student, I, I learned that uh, once a brain cell has died, say after a stroke or an injury, nothing grows back. Cannabis actually encourages uh, neurons to regrow. And... It also encourages the, the neurons, you see, it's not end to end. There's actually a whole host of connections there, which meet with a whole host of connections on something else. And the cannabis can increase the neurons present. Now, this means that uh, if you've got uh, brain damage, you can actually recover. Think of your concussive head injuries on the sports field or after a stroke. Or indeed, uh, things like uh, your um, uh, autism would be quite useful for that. Wow. Well, okay, it's so crazy, isn't it? It's like how many things are, do we still don't know what cannabis can do? Just begun. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's a, it's such a it's a miracle plant. Let me tell you a story. 
Um, many years ago, a new drug came on the market for blood pressure. It's called Captopril. It was derived from the venom of the Brazilian pit viper. Oh, sounds tasty. <laughs> well, it transformed cardiology because they discovered that people who had heart failure and high blood pressure, when you gave that, their heart failure reduced. They discovered because of that, there was a hormone in the heart which is affected by the, by the, the pit viper venom. And now uh, the, the cardiac failure, which had been very difficult to treat, um, well, it was transformed. So we can actually give quality of life to people with congestive cardiac failure wow. using a derivative of the Brazilian pit viper venom. We would never have known had we not used that venom to get the blood pressure down. Now imagine what cannabis is going to do because the CB12, there's maybe three and four receptors as well. We don't know, we're still looking at that. But the receptors are through all the systems of the body, affect almost every organ of the body. What else can we see if we can balance that, uh, that homeostasis, as you said? Well, if you balance that, what other things can happen to our wellness? Wow. Mm, and it's just wild that we've had 85 years of not being able to look at it. And now we're only starting to see the benefit. And you can imagine what another 85 years into the future is going to look like once we've had the chance and the ability to look at these things. Yes. Um, it's, it's interesting. It's, I could sit here talking to you all night about this. Yeah. <laughs> I've said it before, man. How angry are people going to be if it does come out in 10 years' time and the research is done and we know for sure that cannabis is not necessarily a cure for cancer, but prevents it, you know, stops it from growing. And, and there's plenty yes. of research that's going on. People are going to be so angry if they find out that it's been taken away from us for 85 years and we've lost all these people when it could have been prevented by a simple plant. I quite agree, but um, the, the, these are things for the for the future. We just look back and say, thankfully, people are taking action now. Mm -hmm. uh, look, we're on the cutting edge. We're on the, the, the leading edge of that wave, and it's such an exciting place to be. Uh, for me, I'm just a low-level GP. What do I know about these things? I'm just a, a simple politician, but I'm on the edge there of this tsunami of, of, of change coming, not just cannabis, but the, or I think many things will be changing. I'm particularly mm -hmm. excited about the psychedelics coming on. Well, that, that could happen soon. So once we get into that, then people will say, ah, hang about, where else can we do things differently? Let's just start changing the way we think about this, and then, then we get change. Mm -hmm. Well, you're definitely at the, the front of that wave by the sound of things. There's not many doctors that think your way. Yes. More and more every day, I hope. Yeah, I hope so. You, you know, getting out there and getting your message out to more and more doctors, that's going to change things faster. I hope so. Yeah, man. How, how long have you been doing it for? Like specifically uh, campaigning oh. for cannabis and, and psilocybin? Well, I came off. I left the straight and narrow of orthodox medicine, although I, I still practice orthodox medicine. I was a cardiologist too, uh, but oh. I came off the straight and narrow in 1982. Um, I, the first prescribed cannabis ooh, it would have been in 2018, 2017. Wow. So a long time. Did you ever no, feel like sure. pres prescribing cannabis in between 1982 and now? But didn't have the opportunity. If I'd been able to do that, I'm sure we would have a lot more different experiences mm -hmm. and the advances would have been just stunning. What we're seeing now in science is actually stunning as well. So, for example, the, the use of the acidified versions of the THC and uh, CBD and CBG, mm -hmm. uh, if you use that in a smoothie, take a leaf and put that into your smoothie, three leaves, uh, and uh, rather than kale, it can prevent the COVID spike protein from entering your nucleus. I knew ah. it. I knew it. Yeah. We've been saying this for months, <laughs> years almost. You don't use the you, cure. No you just the, the pure plant. Okay, no carboxylation. So there, there you go, Mackie. That's what we've got to do. We just got to have some um, a couple of leaves in our smoothies yeah. every morning, and start we're set. eating your plant raw. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is, it'll taste nice. Uh, also, I've got um, this is empty now, but I had my cannabis tea in here. Cool. Uh, which is nice, uh, and that's that's really great stuff as well. And it's probably got some of the acidic forms there too. So fine, go for it. That's it, man. I've got a bit so, of a cold today. I got a throat. Well, it was yesterday as well, so I just hit my mind. Yeah, that's it. Some cannabis for medicine, man. It's all you really need. <laughs> fine, gargle it. Plenty of honey. You'll be right. Yeah. <laughs> So um, just just a quick question, and you don't have to answer it if it's going to get you in trouble, but do you or have you in the past obviously grown your own and, and given that a shot yourself? Sadly, I haven't. I would like to, um, but uh, I live in a rental at the moment and it'll be awkward when they come for inspection. So no, I haven't. <laughs> but it will happen. 
It will happen. Yeah. yeah. When yeah. legalize it, when when they legalize growing it, then probably not. I'll probably do it before and say, "Come and arrest me." Come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we kind of do that. We just don't try and encourage them to come and arrest us. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather not have my door kicked down. Yeah. Uh, yes, there is that. There is yeah, that. Doors are expensive so, nowadays. <laughs> well, the thing about this is that uh, if we get, I mentioned that the foxholes get in there, uh, get, get out of your foxhole and start attacking the enemy. Mm-hmm. And this is what we need to do in a friendly manner, of course. And so when I get up there uh, as, as a GP, as someone who looks for wellness, and you're going to do me for growing plants, which is used for, you know, for treating myself or my, my family, okay, and I'm a politician, then it makes big waves. Yeah, for sure. So they probably won't do that because it's just you know, a bit awkward. Uh, uh, unless I, I was drunk uh, and uh, driving with, with a really high, then of course they would, and quite rightly so too. Mm-hmm. We do not want to hurt or put anyone else in a position of being hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people have seemed to have forgotten that, you know, these authority figures. If, if you're doing something that has no effect on anybody else whatsoever, then they can't really say anything about it, you know? Just trying mm-hmm. to expand your own consciousness. They have no right to tell you what you can and can't do in that aspect. Quite right. Quite right. Crazy. So we look at mandating vac- vaccines, for example, I'm looking at the Emergency Management Act where the, the police uh, currently have the power uh, on the command of the chief health officer to hold you down, strip you naked and inject you against your will with a vaccine. Really? Yep, that's God a public health, public health act 2016 in Western Australia, probably the same in other states too. No uh, one knows. No one cares. God damn, they just don't want to tell us because they know everybody would be like, I don't fucking think so. Well, I'll be well, mentioning then. it very loudly and the social media next week will be uh, hearing about this. Cool. Yeah. Well, this is this is the thing that I, we that we were discussing a couple of months back um, when they were, had the big riots and everything down in Victoria and they were quite literally firing rubber bullets and tear gas at, at crowds of people. And they'd done absolutely nothing wrong but stand there and stand up for their rights. And, yeah, okay, some people can get a little bit rowdy and we're Australians and we like to get a bit rowdy at times. But, you know, you, you at, at what point does it become encroachment on your free speech and your ability to stand up and say it's not, it's not right? Well, let me just do a little change here, if I may. Uh, where are we now? Metro uh, background, none. What you see behind you here is the Eureka flag uh, with cannabis colours. <laughs> and I've got another Eureka flag up there in the, in the blue and white. Okay, and this is really what I want to be remembering Eureka Stockade. Tamaki, you'll have to read about that. Okay. Uh, about the, the miners who were standing up for their right not to be oppressed by the Victorian government in Ballarat. Yeah. And yeah. Um, that's where I'm at just now. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm all for autonomy. Hurt no one else but stand up and do what is right for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy that we've been persecuted for so long, man. and it's so refreshing to hear somebody of your position, you know, a GP and a politician, to be talking sense and being on the same level we're on. You know, it just seems as if it's, this is just common sense. Why do we even have to have these debates with people who are apparently authority figures? It's crazy that we're in this position. It's nice to be called an authority figure, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. So if, um, if, if any of our listeners want to jump on and, um, and support the cause and, uh, and, and get out there and, and do some stuff with you guys, where can they find you and, and what can they do to help? A, a number of things, actually. No matter where you are in Australia, um, find the Legalised Cannabis Party of your state and join. Secondly, we've got actually a petition up just now for the uh, cannabis to go on the PBS. So find that. You go to my page, if you like, just Brian Walker MLC and find my page there. And um, that will give you a link to the petition to sign that. We've got a few more days left. That's really important. Um, The next one is you might be a cannabis user, a cannabis lover, but hiding because it's it's putting you in the firing line. Get into the firing line. It's time. Um, And the next elections coming up, both uh, state and federal, make a noise. Stand up and vote. Um, the politicians will listen when they're losing seats when they're losing power they listen brilliant yeah here we go man we need more guys like you in the fight that's what we need inspiration for that it'll happen it'll happen yeah so how can i move to australia and get you as my doctor My, my times are coming down so uh because of my politics politics getting much 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 uh, more active cool. uh, but look 
Australia is a fantastic place to be. Just now in the UK, I wouldn't want to live there myself. No, no, neither do most of the people in the UK, mate. Indeed. Um, <laughs> actually, Germany is legalizing cannabis. I'm going to travel to Europe uh, with the select committee in a few weeks' time, and Germany is one of the areas, and they're legalizing cannabis uh, from the Bundestag, uh, so that will be happening 2023 at last. Uh, that'd be a one place, a safe place to go. But Germany is very different from the UK. Australia, look, uh, oh, the doors are open just now. We need people to come here, so uh, apply by all means. I'm always welcoming people to come here. The weather is far better. The people are lovely, aren't mm-hmm. they? Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, we definitely are. Uh, come, come and stay with me if you like, Maggie. <laughs> I'll, I'll I, show I, you all the drop bears. And... <laughs> the WA are the best in Australia. Don't bother about the other side. Oh, come on now. <laughs> We've got some beautiful beaches this side. It may get a bit cold, but not too bad. Hey, and I've lived in Perth. I lived in Perth for, for quite a few years, actually, um, yeah. over at Mullaloo and um, oh, yes. at an ocean reef there. So I, I know the beaches really well. Trig Beach yeah. was a uh, was one of my, nat- my uh, regular haunts down there. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of Australia is good. The, the, the scenery, the, the, the wildlife, the, 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 uh, the plants we've got here, there's beauty everywhere. Mind you, in the UK too, but Australia is better, I think. Yeah, if we killed all of our wildlife, it's yeah. not been here for a while. There's not, nothing out there. <laughs> it's barren. Everything's dead. They're putting wolves back into the Scottish Highlands, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're doing some things. They're rewilding different places. The, what yeah, animal yeah. did they put back in the woods recently? Like a... Uh, otters? Otters are back? Yeah, otters are back, which is crazy. But the, the reintroduced, I can't remember what animal it was, but it was maybe it was a moose or something, something big like that. And they've um, put them back into the population after they've been gone for like a thousand years. Well, people are aware now. This is like the medicine I was speaking about before. Uh, the world is, is, is not a place you can exploit and then leave it barren. You need to actually care for it. This is a, a major command. Care for our environment. Mm-hmm. Care for our air. Care for our water. Yeah. Look at the food choices you're making. Do I need to be, eat meat? Um, should I be a vegetarian? I, I'm not, although I'd love to be. I think I should. But uh, we need to think differently about the whole existence and uh, look after our world. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's one of our responsibilities as humans. Everybody thinks about what we're entitled to, our human rights and things like that. But what are our, what are our human responsibilities? Is something that we need to be taken into consideration more. Which comes back to that question I asked a long time ago. Who are you? Who am I? Mm-hmm. I'm Mackie the meat eater. Barbecues here are good. Come on. Yeah, you know, you can't barbecue a cucumber. And if meat is so bad, why do they try and make all the vegetarian food taste like it? Hmm. <laughs> uh, I've got I've got vegan family members. I'm staying out of this debate. <laughs> I'll upset someone. I'm ACDC. I'll take anything. <laughs> Same, man. It's food. It's food. We, we just, we've got to a point in civilization where we look enough to decide, oh, I don't want to eat that. When there's plenty of people still here on the planet that would like, oh, that's food. I'll eat it. Don't really care what it is because I'm not in a position to choose. We're looking to be in a position where we can choose what we can and can't eat. Yes, quite so. so just right. just well, uh, coffee here. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. I was getting, getting a little bit late down on my end as well. So, and you said you're a bit busy and you had a lot of things to get to and, so yep. we uh, we might let you go, uh, Dr. Brian, and um, hopefully we can get you back sometime. When, and yeah, for sure. When, when a great conversation, uh, man. Yeah, Lovely. when uh, we're seeing seeing more movement. Always a pleasure. You take care and yeah. more power to you all. Yeah, man. Any time you have anything to share or you would need people to know about things, and you're always welcome on the show. Just give us a shout, yes, and we'll Good get on. it up on the Lovely. air. Yeah. Good stuff. Nice. Thanks, Doctor. Thank it's been a pleasure. Safe. Thank you very much. Bye bye. 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 there we go everyone thanks for listening to the show it'd be great if you could head over to dr walker's website if you're in australia and sign that petition he was talking about you can also just go and like his facebook pages or anything like that anyway you can support dr walker or the movement in general is always massively appreciated of course it would be great if you could share this episode with a friend if you think that they might find it useful that would be awesome too but uh, of course, no pressure. So we'll catch you on Friday where we do the grow guides and we talk about ways to reduce the energy costs of growing cannabis indoors because it can be expensive, especially nowadays. 
But in the meantime, thank you very much for listening to the show. Thank you for downloading the show. I'm sure this cold will be gone in a few days and then I'll be back to normal and won't sound so stuffy. Nice. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Cross your fingers for me. Smoke, <laughs> smoke a fat split for me. That would be sweet. So enjoy the rest of your week. We'll catch you on Friday for the next one. And if not, we'll catch you on Sunday for the live show. Same time, same place, 9pm UK time over on youtube.com slash high and homegrown. See you there, everybody. Have a good week. Goodbye. <laughs>